0: Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh
1: okay. Chad.
0: This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
1: Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide.
0: Oh, that's my homie, Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah,
2: that would be it. (laughs) Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
0: Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me.
1: This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a monthly cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every single month. And please be sure to stay tuned a little bit later on in the show for a special promotion just for the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. And John, today on the show, we go international, and we head all the way over to Germany for a talk with former WCW cruiserweight champion... And that is Das Wunderkind himself, Alex Wright. And what a coup by you to pull this off. Getting Alex Wright on the phone in Germany. It was a uh, very surreal thing to uh, connect the three of us in three different places uh, all on one conversation. But the co- topic of conversation, of course, is going to be a lot of WCW. And we know with you, if you've listened to this show, and we've said it countless times, and every time I look at our guests, I say, man, this this guy really... He has his heart set on these WCW legends, and we can't say it enough that you love WCW. And, you know, the uh, the fact that Alex Wright is kind of similar to Scotty Riggs, uh, that the American Males gimmick was a little bit more of a jokey and uh, something that the average, you know, quote-unquote, uh, macho fan isn't going to really love that gimmick. But Alex Wright with the dancing, the same thing. He tried to be over as a babyface, and the fans kind of uh, killed him for it at that point. But uh, his ring work was excellent, and I know you're a huge fan of Alex Wright, so why don't you give us your take on uh, Alex Wright as an in ring performer at that point in WCW?
3: Well, Chad, we're back, and we've done it again. Another WCW guest, and I, you know, we, as you said, I can't say it enough. My love for WCW, I just absolutely was a huge WCW fan. There's no doubt about that. And this time, we're able to talk to Alex Wright, Das Wunderkind himself all the way in germany so uh, we've managed to talk to many different countries on the show and technology is great and i just love how you know we're able to do the show and how we're able to you know really pull it off and actually be able to uh talk to a former you know wcp cruiserweight champion tag champ tv champ and you know just one of my favorites because so underrated and so almost undervalued as far as uh, just being such a great talent, such a great worker, and a lot of people I don't think realize that. And you know, through through you know, as you know, through time basically, as uh, as we move forward in history, I don't know, people kind of like, oh, a guy with the funny theme and uh, the funny dance moves and stuff. Go back and watch his matches, and you'll be like, damn, he did have a funny theme, and he did do some funny dances. But this guy was a hell of a worker, and it's just unbelievable to be able to talk to him all the way. From Germany, so I mean that that was that was really really cool. I thought that was awesome, you know, for you know for us here to to be able to uh, you know pull that off and uh, you know show a little technological savvy on our part. So just great. I, I I love that, and it's funny because we just talked to Scotty Riggs of the American Males, and he kind of falls in that same category as Alex Wright. Where I wouldn't say he didn't appeal to the fans so much, but I would say you know. On paper it is almost like the gimmick is from the 80s or something you know something like that where it's almost past its time you know perhaps a little bit like the American males awesome theme Alex Wright awesome theme uh, American males very 80ish you know with with uh, their style and the way they present himself. Alex right? not so much, you know, in that vein where, where the style and stuff, but definitely, you know, being a face and dancing and stuff. I mean, this was, at this point, it was about, you know, mid-90s and, and you know, that kind of stuff kind of wasn't going to work anymore as a face. You know, especially, you know, if you, you write it down on paper, you think, okay, this is a good idea. But when you actually do it and you're out there in front of a lot of crowds, it's just like, hmm. These fans are changing. It's becoming uh, a lot different than it was during the you know eighties and even very early nineties. It's become a lot different ball game. So characters like the American Males and that face character of Alex Wright maybe wouldn't be you know as popular as, as they would have been in a different time period. But then boom, you get Alex Wright in the ring. He's such an amazing worker that he was over, and when they turned him heel, you know he he turns heel, he becomes such a heat magnet, and he became, you know, a big-time player, you know, in that mid-card, upper-mid-card for WCW for a time there. I felt that that character as a heel worked perfectly for WCW and worked perfectly for him, and we do get into great detail with Alex Wright about whether whether he worked face or heel, and, you know, he basically said that character is better fit for a heel, and I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, definitely better fit for a heel, and his heel work was quite excellent as he got on in his time In WCW, under the Alex Wright gimmick and not actually just the Berlin gimmick, which we'll get into that in a minute. But, uh, you know, it's funny with this show when we do have guys on and, you know, we have our little inside jokes and everybody has their little quirks and their little things that you say back and forth with your buds. But uh, we've always said something kind of funny about Alex Wright. Is that uh, well? Maybe I'll let you uh, you tell the joke, but it has to do with a certain head honcho over at WWE.
3: Yes, Chad, it's the running joke with me and you, and you know a lot of our friends and my brother and stuff. That uh, basically, you know, nineteen eighty four, WCW, Alex Rice feuding with John Paul Levesque, aka Triple H, and you know the running thing is even you know you'll read it on the internet too. I mean, all like a lot of the sites, a lot of the forums, you always hear people say it. And I even say to Alex Wright, you know, he kind of made a little joke about it. Is Alex Wright, at the age of basically 18 years old, was teaching Triple H how to work, and he taught Triple H how to work? I mean, that, I mean that that's basically the joke that we like to say. And you know, is it stretching, you know, a little bit because you know obviously Alex Wright doesn't necessarily agree with it. You know, he might think it's funny or whatever, but he doesn't necessarily agree with it. But to be honest, is it true? It's definitely partially true. I mean. You think that at 18 years old, oh, Alex Wright's not teaching him how to work. No, he was a veteran of the ring at that point, more so than Triple H was, who was obviously older than him, but he was a lot more of a veteran, and he was leading those matches against Triple H when he was John Paul back in WCW. So, yes, it's a joke in, in a little bit, but you really think about it, and you can definitely you know, make the argument for sure that Alex Wright perhaps taught Triple H uh, how to work a little bit. I mean, he, obviously he's, Alex Wright doesn't agree, but, you know, we uh, we could make that argument, you know, if we so desired. Which kind of leads, you know, to the next point. There, you know, does Alex Roy get the credit he deserves as far as being a worker? And honestly, I don't know if he does. You know, he's he's kind of a humble guy. And you talk to him; it's such a great interview and such a great talk that we had with him but he's kind of humble where he's saying you know oh my god i got to work with chris benoit and eddie guerrero and dean malenko and ultimo dragon and uh, koji kanamoto and i mean uh, regal and finley i mean the list goes on and on but it takes two to detangle and if you're gonna have a really good match you need two really good workers i, I mean i think for the most part you're gonna have especially those nitro style matches and those wcw matches where you know you're raising that bar another level and wcw was you know the place to go for work uh, work rate at that point for sure i mean nitro was always having the best matches WCW was always having the best matches on pay-per-views their work rate was through the roof and, and in, i even forgot to mention you throw in uh, his feud with chris jericho the matches they had so no i don't think he gets the credit he deserves as a worker because just go back and watch his matches and it's funny because it was just on uh WB, you know, this day in history is Malenko against Alex Wright on Nitro. Awesome match. And you're just like, damn, Alex Wright's great. And I mentioned to him a great match. One of my favorites He uh, for the TV titles, him against Ultimo Dragon. He was almost saying that, uh, he was being humble, saying that uh, he almost wanted better for the match. But just, you know, search out that match. It was a great match. And you just see, you know, the ability this guy has. I mean, he was so young, but was such a veteran for you know for that time he was being trained by his dad being a long time in the business being around the business loving the business so you know
1: he may have been young but he was definitely a veteran in the ring and one hell of a good worker now talk about Alex Wright's transformation into Berlin because he really details the uh, injury that he had at the time that led to Berlin becoming an on-screen character and it was quite a departure from obviously the dancing version of Alex Wright and I know you were a huge Berlin fan as I mentioned previously but uh, tell us what do you what do you think about Berlin when you look back it was definitely a, a gimmick that was uh, somewhat uh, different compared to other things that you saw on WCW at the time.
3: Yeah one you know final thing that we really wanted to touch on before we sent it to another great interview by us is the Berlin character. Yes it was like a you know it was, it was definitely different which which immediately made me pay attention to it. The theme music also, you know, immediately makes you pay attention to it. We kinda got into it with Alex story about like what it was. I kinda had like a you know, it was like a mixed vibe. It was a goth, like slash almost like splash military, slash like vampire ish. I mean it was a lot of different things kind of all wrapped into one, but such a cool look and it was kind of a cool gimmick, but they kind of, I, I believe, I mean, I, I could be wrong at this point, but I believe the Columbine shootings happened and, you know, Alex Wright had that long jack and everything. And I think that kind of, uh, you know, ended that little run there. And and uh, a couple of, like, I know as we get into it, though, so we didn't get into that part of it, but I know that was, uh, was a minor part of it. But there was a part of some backstage politics as far as Hacksaw uh, Jim Duggan and Buff Bagwell are concerned. So I know that kind of played a key role into like uh, halting it. I know the wall. Um, A.K. Jerry Toot, A.K. Malice at that point um, was becoming a little bit, you know, a bit over, I guess you could say. He was becoming a bit like a bigger star and they were utilizing him more. So, I mean, there was definitely something came out of it with the wall but I felt like Berlin should have been uh, pushed better and then giving Alex Wright's work you know work rate and his ability and that gimmick he definitely could have moved up the court on WCW and it was kind of a, a lost gimmick because I loved that character and I really had high hopes for the gimmick like oh my god Alex Wright's playing this like crazy you know serious you know, heel with the you know the wall as his bodyguard, and you know he's got that pretty pretty lady with him. He's got a little ballet up. So I I really thought that the Berlin character had a lot more likes to it than, than it ended, ended up getting. And obviously, if anybody's going to pull it off, it was uh, Alex Wright. And I felt that uh, maybe he got cut out from under him.
1: Yeah, Berlin is just another one that you can throw on the pile of the WCW gimmicks, angles, and storylines of past guests that we've had that just, they were abandoned way too early. And uh, it's nice to hear the Wall's name get mentioned on here, because he was a uh, great you know, counterpart to Berlin, and he would go on to some success. Uh, and I know we've got some funny stories about the Wall that uh, maybe someday we can... Uh, Get into a little bit more, but let's talk about Meowbox before we get on over to Alex Wright. And that is when you head over to Meowbox.com and you get your first monthly subscription and you get to the checkout portion, you're going to enter in the code powertrip 10 that's right. Power Trip 10 in all capital letters into the checkout box and you're going to get 10% off your first box subscription courtesy of Meow Box and courtesy of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling and it's just a little thank you. So I want to thank you for trying Meow Box. I want to thank you for listening to the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. I hope you enjoy Alex Wright and John. I'm going to turn it over to you tell them a little bit more about Meow Box and get on to a little Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling business.
3: Oh yeah, Meow Box, baby. They're packing better than ever. That is MeowBox.com. And just remember, they do have a thing called One Box Can where every Meow Box purchase, they will donate a can of food to a shelter cat on your behalf. And again, that is One Box Can from MeowBox.com. Now, if you're going to go to Meowbox to get some edible items, you're going to want to know where they come from. They come from either the United States or Canada. Now, me, for instance, and my picky cat, Lucy, she does not like the edible items because of that special diet that she's on. So we actually trade out the edible items with toys and surprises, which Lucy absolutely loves. And it's great that Meowbox is able to do that for us. So again, that is Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10 for 10% off your first subscription. Again, one more time for you, Meowbox.com, promo code POWERTRIP10. Now, for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at RasslinPal and at Two Man Power Trip. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We are always putting up great clips of all past guests, so you definitely want to check us out on there. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, while you're on iTunes, check out the feed of past guests. Our lineup is out of this world. Literally, I mean, we got everybody. Think about this, Bruce Hart from Canada, obviously, Alex Wright from Germany, and we got upcoming, you know, guys from all over the globe, but when you're checking out that feed, also look for the legends as well, like the late, great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, then you got Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Sergeant Slaughter, Tully Blanchard, Stan Hansen, and so, so, so many others, so please, again, that's check us out on iTunes. Also, please check us out on the I-95 Sports Network. Just type it into the Google machine there and look up two-man power trip on the I-95 Sports Network. We're doing best-ofs every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on that channel, on that station, on that network. So please check us out there. And if you'd like to book Kevin Furtig, a.k.a. Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai. Please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. Please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. And again, that is the book Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Kevin Furtig, a.k.a. Mordecai. He's out of exile, and he's returning to the ring near you. Also, please check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Of wrestling.com for all the latest and greatest from us. Now, without any further ado, I send it to Das Wunderkind, the former WCW Cruiserweight Champion, the former WCW Tag Champion, the former WCW Television Champion. He was formerly known as Berlin, and you may know him as one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. He is. Alex Wright. Please enjoy.
2: Well, joining us on the line tonight is somebody who we're very, very happy to have with us today. He's a former WCW superstar. Of course, we're talking about Das Wunderkind himself, Alex Wright also had a nice little run as the character Berlin, but Alex Wright, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling.
4: Well, thanks for having you. So,
2: basically, uh, you know, we want to know uh, what are you up to these days, how you been and uh, how's life treating you over in Germany?
4: Well, I'm doing fine. I uh, run my own uh, wrestling promotion over here, New European Championship Wrestling. We're one of the biggest companies over here. Uh, We have regular shows. Also, we have the biggest uh, wrestling school over here in Europe. And uh, I'm doing fine. I'm still living my dream. And have fun.
2: So tell us a little bit about the promotion for people who might not be uh, 100% uh, familiar with you know, the the scene over in Germany. How, uh, you know, maybe give us a couple of your, uh, you know, your stars over there and, uh, you know, how's the business over there in terms of, you know, current wrestling?
4: Well, if somebody wants to check out New European Championship Wrestling on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash neww.wrestling1. There you can find all the information. We have a lot of great uh, talents over here the current NEW World Heavyweight Champion Adrian Sevier. Um is really really a good good wrestler I would think he's one of the uh, best of Europe and he uh, also had WWE tryout so maybe you're gonna see him soon at uh, the big company WWE
2: oh very cool that's uh that's great to hear. Now, when you formed New European Championship Wrestling, was that to kinda of get yourself back into uh professional wrestling after retiring and was it something that, you know, maybe you saw as uh you know, as that filling the void, you know, of stepping away from in ring competition?
4: Well, I never actually uh said that I'm retired. <laughs> it should develop like that. I mean, after uh, WCW got bought by WWE, I just said, well, that might be a good break for me because I was really physically and mentally burned out. You know, I've been with the company uh, straight for almost nine years and, um, you know, that's a long time. Um, I was one of the few wrestlers who stayed the whole time with the company and, um, you know, so. I'm very. I'm a a guy who wants to always give like a thousand percent when he goes in the ring, you know. And um, yeah, I felt I couldn't do that for myself anymore, and I couldn't do it for the fans and for promotion. So I said, well, I need time off, you know, go go back to my home country and relax a little bit. And I always had this. My second dream was always to open a wrestling school over here in Europe. To feature and train young talents. And uh, this developed very, very good. And after a while, I said, well, those people need a, a good platform, a professional platform where they can show their skills. And so I opened New European Championship Wrestling. And of yeah, course, it of filled some point the void of not actively wrestling. But I still want to be in the ring. You know, I always do my training matches and all that stuff. And uh, who knows, maybe I. Uh, Someday, when I have a little bit more spare time for myself, I uh, try to uh, step actively in the ring again.
2: Oh, that's very cool. Now, tell us about the European scene. You know, for uh, the American audience that really doesn't, you know, know too much about uh, stuff that you know they don't see. Obviously, uh, they can read whatever they want, but actually seeing you know, the wrestling live. Is uh, is there a different style that the fans in Europe cater to? Is there more of a, uh, you know, is there more of a sports entertainment, you know, uh, infusion, uh, because that's kind of the dominant, you know, uh, landscape in, you know, I guess worldwide wrestling. Uh, but what's the, the European scene like for the average wrestling fan wanting to know a little bit more about it?
4: Well, of course, uh, um, the companies over here try to, bring more sports entertainment into their shows. But there's also still that traditional uh, technical skill wrestling, old school wrestling. So they try to combine it, you know, to, to make it more like a shoot plus the sports entertainment. And um, I try to really uh, bring a little bit more entertainment in my shows, just like, the, like WCW did or, you know, WWE, I mean, it's a very big market for wrestling right now in Europe, uh, especially in the UK and Germany. It's really growing since uh, WWE is in free TV again and TNA is in free TV. So it's really good right now.
0: Now, if I could go back and rewind it because we obviously, you know, we mentioned WCW for a brief uh, second there, but definitely want to touch on that because obviously you had a great career that you said you were there almost nine mm-hmm. years You know, you were a TV champ, Cruiserweight champ, you were a tag champ. How did you actually get, you know, recruited or get started in WCW?
4: Well, I'm a second-generation wrestler. My dad wrestled 26 years, very successful uh, internationally. He wrestled for New Japan, AAA, CMML in Mexico, for Hart in Canada. He wrestled also for Vern Gagne when he still had the territories in USA. And, of course, he wrestled over here in many, many companies, including the biggest uh, wrestling promotion at that time, CWA. Um, we drew houses when I started over here. Without having TV, we drew houses about of twelve to fourteen thousand spectators at that time. Still, so um, my father was a sixteen-time world uh, middleweight champion and European tag team champion, European champion. He was my trainer. I mean, he started training me <clears throat> when I was like three years old, and I, you know, I traveled on the road with him. You know, lived in the caravan and right beside the building. And of course, the the ring was my the best playground for myself. And so I never felt like it was training. I, I always played in the ring. And when I was 16, I had my first professional uh, match over here in Germany. Plus, on the other side, my, my uncle, Bernard Wright, he was also a, a very successful wrestler for many, many years. And uh, the the guy who raised my dad, Ted Bentley, he also uh, had a wrestling school, was a wrestling promoter and um, a wrestler himself. Uh, he also trained the British Bulldogs. So I, I I I come from one of the few European wrestling families, and um, like I said, with 16. I had my first professional uh, wrestling match. I was one of the youngest wrestlers of Europe, and so I got a lot of media attention and was invited to a lot of talk shows and stuff like that. And at one talk show, um, WCW had at that time a, a European tour in Germany. Uh, they were in Germany, right at that moment, and Sting and Johnny B. Bad and the PR manager was invited to that show also. So I met them backstage, and they invited me to their house show in Munich. And my dad, you know, husband, yeah, yeah, he long enough in the business, so he said, "Hey, kid, when you go there, make sure you take your wrestling gear with you because you never know what's going to happen." And My dad was right. One of the guys from WCW was hurt, and they gave me the chance to fill that spot, and I had my so-called tryout match, and they really enjoyed it, and so they asked me if I want to do the rest of the tour with them, and on the last day, they flew in Eric Bischoff. Ric Flair was the booker at that time, and uh, without... that I knew about it, and um, after my match, they just brought me to the hotel room and they asked me, hey, listen, kid, we, we're looking for a good German guy, and uh, we're very impressed, and we want to bring you over, are you interested? So, of course, I took that chance, you know, at that moment, um, you know, that's the best thing that can happen to a wrestler, and in one week, I have to decide uh, to move to, to uh, the States, which I did then.
0: And how old, like, how old were you? I guess you were only eighteen or nineteen years old at that point.
4: Well, um, at the time when I did the talk show, when WCW, when I met the WCW guys, I was eighteen. So I was eighteen when I went to the states.
0: Well, you got to be one of the youngest uh, signees ever, especially by WCW. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive to be you know, that young and and you get yeah, signed. Yeah, that
4: was. Pretty big step for me, (laughs) yes. You know, 18 years old, moving to a different country, and, you know, all your colleagues are, you know, late 20s, mid 30s, and uh, being a foreigner, plus being from Germany, (laughs) doesn't make you that sympathetic to to a lot of people, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Now, it's it's funny because, you know, being that young, you're somewhat of a prodigy, and obviously the nickname Das Wunderkind came about. And then I guess, did they end up sending you to the uh, WCW power plant?
4: Yes, for the moment, which they did actually was always everybody. You know, it's it's just like a, <laughs> a parking place till they know what they're gonna do with you, how you're gonna fit in the shows and stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It was was a good experience, you know, getting to more insight in the in the American style and stuff like that. But my bad dad trained me in the Japanese style, Mexican style, European style, and of course also in the American style.
0: Now, it's funny because, you know, you came over here and obviously uh, they gave you a, a good theme, which is very, you know, very catchy, kind of funny in a way. And then, you know, they, they kind of gave you a little bit of, of a dance as well that you did. But what was your thoughts on, you know, the theme and the dance and the gimmick? Did you, you know, did you like that going in?
4: <clears throat> well, the the thing is, as being 18 years old, um, I, re- I really didn't know about a business Aspect not not the business like wrestling wise the business like uh, fan fan view and and all that stuff what 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 the consequences are of that you know I I was young I just wanted to have fun plus I was from Europe techno was very very big over there and uh, of course I I knew as a wrestler you have to be different to other wrestlers so you stay in the in the back of the mind of the fans. So the techno music I really enjoyed plus the dance I did over here in the dance clubs and I you know, I you know, the chicks dicked it and I liked it and so one time when I went out with the boys they, they saw me dance like that in a dance club and they, they came up to me and say Hey, listen, why you don't do that on T V? So I did it without um thinking about it later on i i i realized hmm, you know on one side it was really good because it was entertaining and the people were talking about that guy who's dancing you know all the girls and the kiddies and the grandmas they loved it you know but on the other side the the hardcore fans you know they sometimes they didn't look past the dancing you know they didn't look at my wrestling abilities and that was pretty yeah sometimes it was pretty disappointing for me
0: you know, me as a fan, you know, growing up, I, I remember he called my attention because I'm like, you know, this guy is like, you know, obviously, you know, they're pushing, you know, this this uh, German guy and he's doing the dance and together they were. But then what called my eye was, man, this guy is such a good wrestler. I mean, all the, all the moves, all the different styles you were able to incorporate. And I, you know, distinctly remember your first feud was against a guy that a lot of people know today as Triple H, but obviously then he was John Paul Levesque. What yes, was your thought yeah. of you know that feud at that time because you know you were the young guy but you were almost like in a weird in a weird way it was almost like you were the veteran.
4: Well, I mean, first of all, I really enjoyed working with uh, uh, Triple H at that time. I mean, we were two guys who started in the company, and we we tried to <clears throat> you know climb up the ladder, um, and um, well, I wouldn't say the veteran. I mean. I, I just was a few years in the business. You're not the wet then, you know, there's many, many other guys who've been so long in the business and I mm. I just you know, I, I was just happy and thankful for the opportunity, you know, for that feud and to have a guy who I can work with good and work my style and who's uh, very easy to work with. So, you know. the time in the States in in and with W C W was one of the best times in my life, you know.
0: It's kind of funny. It's like the, uh, it's almost like a running joke here in America with some of the, you know, with me and my friends I know, and some of the internet fans. We say that Alex Wright, even though he was so young, he basically taught Triple H how to wrestle, because you know he was kind of, you know, he's really green at that point. That was our, you know, his first major major exposure in WCW, and obviously uh, you guys had that match at Starcade which was a huge exposure for the both of you.
4: Yes, that's true, but I wouldn't put it that way. That I teach him wrestling. <laughs> he was a great, 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 great talent, and I really enjoyed working with him. Did you foresee
0: him becoming, you know, like the powerhouse he is today, where you know he's basically uh, running the WWE? Did you ever foresee that back then?
4: Well, I knew was going to make uh, himself a big name in the in the in the sport of wrestling, but uh, in the world of sport of wrestling, but um, that he, you know, going to be the, the boss someday. No. Because then I certainly would have kept in touch more than than I did now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I met him just a few. I met him last year again. You know, I talked to him about a lot of stuff with my promotion because they invited me over to the WWE Performance Center to train their talents also and see how they're doing stuff and that. And, you know, I was very happy they invited me over.
0: How did you like the uh, performance center?
4: Oh, very good. I mean, that's really really top-notch facility, you know. I mean, they have a lot of uh, rings there and, you know, they have weightlifting and they have physiotherapy and they have rooms where they do the promos and stuff like that, great trainers over there. So, you know, it's it's a very, very good place, you know, um, to stay in shape or to learn the business, you know. You know, I have my own N.E.W. hotspot over here in Germany, where my my uh, wrestling school is located. Then the right stuff pro wrestling school, and uh, I have two rings. You know, and I have a setup like like was Center Stage in Atlanta. You know, we produce our shows there with you know lightning and all all kind of stuff. So I try to do it almost at the same level. You know, but I don't have the the, the money like WWE has. But for Europe, it's very very good. You know.
0: <clears throat> that is great because um, you know the Performance Center is obviously you know uh, an entity on its own because they have so much money behind it and obviously uh, you know all the uh, resources in the world are you know at their fingertips and it's great <clears throat> to see that you know you have something similar. But one thing I was curious about: do you see any <clears throat> uh, similarities between the Performance Center and back all the way back when you were in the WCW Power Plant?
4: No, not really. I mean when I was in the power plant it was just a factory hall uh, where they they put this stuff uh, like old rings in there and all kind of stuff they you know just to keep it in, in, in if if they don't use it they should put it in there and somewhere between all that stuff you know there were maybe two or three rings at when when I was down there so and they didn't had really um you know, they had toilets but they didn't have no no doors in there, no shower at first and stuff like that. So that came all over time. You know. Once I started in T V then then they you know, they, they they just moved there I guess. I don't know exactly the background of that. But you really can't compare it to the WWE Performance Center. Because the performance center is really, really top notch and professional and like I said everything is so professional and you know, you get treated very, very well. Um And the trainers are really good. Uh, I mean, at that time in WCW, they had good trainers also, but it was just tougher, you know? I mean, I had to run... I did running the ropes eight hours a day, and my back was swollen, and they still said, well, keep going, keep going, keep going, you know? And a lot of people threw up (laughs) and stuff like that. (laughs) And um, it was so, so hard, you know? And um on one side, it makes you hard, but on the other side, it was maybe a little bit too too hard you know they they sometimes you have the feeling they try to break you you know and um which they never did with me at least and um at the performer center it 's very professional and if somebody has a real injury or whatever it, it's it 's get taking serious and it 's taken, take, t- uh, taken care of and um yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed my time last uh, March over there. Yeah,
0: it's funny because I remember watching an old video of,
4: uh, they were showing footage of, the, you
0: know, the power plant, and uh, it was very military style. It was very like, you know, they were trying, like you said, they were trying to break you, almost trying to make you quit, and whoever was like the last man standing, they were you know, they were okay with, but it seemed like um, they almost, you know, obviously performance there was a lot different. It seemed like WCW power plant almost wanted you to quit
4: yeah and that's really bad because then you might might lose good talent you know see my my wrestling school it's a school that's you hear it on the word it's a school, so I try to take the people who come to me and want to learn pro wrestling i i take them from that spot where they're at right now at at what um what endurance level they have, what what experience level they have, etc. And then I teach them from that point on. And of course, I bring them to their to their actual uh, physical borders, but I never bring them over it. You know, so I I try to get the most uh, talent out of the interested wrestling people who come to my school. So the, the, the market grows here and we have a lot of good talents. And after a while, you know, I have a lot of uh, students which would be in, in the power plant. They, first day, they would have been gone and they would quit their dream. But in my school, I, I, I really look closely and deep at the person and, and try to see their, their advantages, like their, what they have, specialties, like if they're good in entertainment or good Good body control, whatever. And after they train with me like uh, three months or a half a year, suddenly they, they develop so quick and so good. And at the end, they're very good talents. And it, it just helps the German market, the European market, uh, to have good wrestlers then, you know.
0: Definitely. And, you know, obviously, you are a great, great guy to learn from because of all the uh, the veterans in WCW that you were able to work and, and just have great, great matches. I'm sure you learned a lot. But what was it like when, you know, you're first in WCW, maybe you're there for about a year or so, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're feuding with, uh, you know, a little bit with Bobby Eaton, and then you're feuding with Arn Anderson and working with veterans like that. What was that like?
4: Well, that's like a dream come true, you know, if you work guys like Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, you know, and later on, of course, Deed, uh, Eddie, Benoit, you know, that that's all um, regal, you know, I, I, every time I stepped in the ring, I learned so much, and I really enjoyed my time there, I mean, it's the best way to learn, you know, being in the ring with a veteran who helps you, leads you through the match, you know, you always learn something new, so, yeah. The best thing was could happen to me.
0: I distinctly remember a match against Eddie Guerrero. I think it was, it was on the main event. I don't think it was. It was it wasn't on Fall Brawl, but it was the same night as Fall Brawl. So it was like the to lead into. And you and Eddie Guerrero had a great, great match.
4: Mm, well, <laughs> I really can't recall that. It's it's been so long, and uh, I had many matches with Eddie. The thing I know, Eddie was a great wrestler and a great friend, and uh, I really miss him. You know, I also enjoyed working with him. Like I said, I, I learned a lot. You know.
0: Definitely, and then another guy uh, who you would actually work, and, and obviously you know, gone way too soon. But he was uh, also a legend, and that was Brian Pillman. You guys were able to work a pay per view together?
4: Yes, that's true. Very sad that he had to go that early. That was a shock for me. Yeah. I think that was the first incident in WCW where I was there, and I was really, yeah, that was a bad experience. But working wise, it was really, really good. I learned also a lot. Actually, I went with, with Brian to New Japan for the Super J Cup. That was a good time.
0: What was your experience like in Japan? Because I know WCW, I know you worked there before, but obviously with New Japan, WCW had that agreement with them, and you know they would kind of uh, swap some talent. So what was the Super J tournament like?
4: That was pretty tough. <laughs> I mean, everybody who took part in that tournament, I mean, really was top-notch wrestler, and uh, I was still, at that time, I think I was only 21, you know. That That's the time when I had uh, Malenko and Eddie over there, and, um, yeah, I mean, that was was very really hard. I mean, they're all very skilled wrestlers, you know, very technical, um, a lot of uh, impact, you know, there's a lot of uh, really, really impact, less entertainment, but I really enjoyed it over there. I mean, I got two injuries, but, you know, I had to pull it through those six weeks, I, I... Uh, tore my, my two ligaments in my knee, and also I, uh, I, my vertebrae, I broke something in there. and um, But, you know, it was still good.
0: Were those your two, like, worst wrestling injuries?
4: No, the worst was when I got blind, you know, I had a bleeding in my head. I was on Nitro I wrestled Prince IKEA on Nitro and suddenly during the match I couldn't see anymore because I I got an insert geary kick and um I didn't know what was going to happen but you know how it is you just you focus on the match and you you try to finish the match but the longer the the match continued the less I saw you know my vision really got really smaller and smaller and uh, I really felt sick and I almost could have balance anymore in the match and when I when the match was finished, and I walked back, back uh, the entrance aisle, and then back through the curtain. Uh, as soon as I walked through the curtain, I was totally blind, and they had to bring me in the locker room. You know, then the emergency came, and they brought me in the hospital, and then they said, "Yeah, kid, you have a bleeding in your in your head." And well, we have to wait if if your body absorbs the blood, or if we have to you know, do surgery. And um, yeah. I called my wife and said, <laughs> the thing was, two days before I bought a house and I married my wife. And I was like 22 at that point. And, um, well, they said, well, your career is over. No wrestling anymore. We don't know if you're going to see anymore. And I had to tell that my wife on the phone. And uh, that was, I think, one of the toughest times in my life, you know. Because as a young kid, you still have, you know, you have all your dreams and all your plans and all kind of stuff. And, um, well... I was very lucky. My 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 brain absorbed it. Just the pressure in the brain was so bad, and um, so I had to take medication, just like that. And then they did a did some kind of uh, I, I, it was a small small surgery. I mean, they put a plastic tube in my in my how do you say uh, um you know what's the name called um arteria um what's the name uh in the blood vessel. You know where it goes to the to the heart and to your head. You know and they they pushed the the plastic tube all the way to my brain and then they had to, did all kind of tests. And you were like sedated, but you still felt it and stuff like that. And it was really scary. And then I had to lay uh, a week still. I I wasn't allowed to move. And then when I got up, I you know I couldn't walk anymore and all that stuff. My 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 wife had to help me when I was taking a shower. And then when when I got back to Atlanta. I still had to lay one month in bed in a dark room and wasn't allowed to move and stuff like that. And you know, once I finished that time, you know, um yeah, it was really hard because I had to start learning to walk again and, and balances and stuff on that and you know, getting WCW convinced that they allow me back in the ring. You know, that was a pretty time, pretty tough time. And well, then we had an agreement, and you know, I, I prepared myself. You know, I took bumps in my house in Atlanta on, on the wood floor, and took a bump, and I was sick for two hours, and then I took another bump, and waited another two hours, and so on, so on, and so on. And after two, three months, you know, I uh, went back to the power plant, and I trained, and uh, fought myself back to the to the squared circle, and um, yeah, after that I kept wrestling many, many more years and that uh, the doctor said, I'm fine again. I have no problems anymore. You know, so everything is good and um, I never had a problem anymore again. Well, wow, that's it was crazy. a really tough time.
0: Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Such a uh, perseverance to get back in the ring is, you know, obviously they tell you, you know, your career is probably over and, you know, obviously you can barely see and everything else. Wow, that's great. I, I never even knew that story. I was going to ask you about injuries. I didn't know... Uh, the
4: extent of that injury. Wow. Oh yeah, but but the thing is, I I had no you know consequences after that anymore. I mean, I did many many matches, many years, and I still still do a lot a lot of matches uh, in my high school, and um, yeah, I I don't have any problems from that anymore. I was very very lucky. Yeah. You
0: now if I I could. Uh just changed gears a little bit here you know going from the injuries and going for to something you know obviously something that was very very good for you and that was when you won the cruiserweight title you actually ended up uh, being a heel and being the cruiserweight champ did you like being a heel and what was it like you know winning the cruiserweight title from chris jericho
4: well of course it's always nice to win a title you know it's just uh well it shows that the company sees you in that kind of position and it's like a little thank you you know and uh of course it's very nice you know i, I feel really good um but it it was not always it's not like i was um how you say I was not after the, the the titles. I mean, it's nice to have a title, but for me, the priority was always to have a good match and t- try to to uh, entertain the people and doing my job. You know, it, it really didn't matter if I have a regular match, a pay-per-view match, or what kind of match. I always try to give a thousand percent in the match. Um, working with Jericho, of course, was really fun, and being a heel, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, that was. Really, really fun, you know, because, you know, just being out there and cussing at everybody, and that that's just fun. I mean, it really, it's its fun. <laughs> if I come back, I, I, I think I would come back as a heel. I really like it. Yeah, I felt like the heel
0: persona, you know, you being cocky and everything else, it really, really, you know... Um you know, extenuated the positives of your character. I feel like it it worked better, because obviously, you know, sometimes in America, if if the person's foreign, automatically, they're you know, they're somewhat of a heel. And then, you know, they they kind of put you with uh, Deborah for a while, so I don't know, I thought that was kind of like a funny pairing, but, you know, it definitely worked and got some heat on you. So, I don't know, I I think, you know, you as a heel worked better than you as a face.
4: Yes, I thought so, too, because it it was more... uh, from my inside, I don't know how to how to say. You know that's that's something where you can, you know, do something what you can't do in regular life. You know, so it's really fun. Yeah, actually, Definitely. that was a time when I got when I received that bad injury when they teamed me up with Deborah. They actually wanted to give me a real good push, and then uh, yeah, well, that happened.
0: Oh wow! Okay. Now, I also remember sometime around that time, because I was recently watching uh, the WWE Network and I was watching it, you beat Ultimo Dragon for the TV title in a great, great match. What are your recollections of, you know, working the Ultimo Dragon and then, you know, them giving you another title and giving you the TV title?
4: Well, of course, I was happy about that, too. And um, the match, well, I... I always thought to myself it could have been better that match. I really felt tired after after half through the match. I don't know why, you know. So I wasn't very satisfied with the match. Um, of course, I I still enjoyed working with Ultimo Dragon. I worked with him before, and it, it's just it was a little bit harder because he he doesn't speak that good uh, English at that time, and he had that uh, you know Japanese style that's really tough style, and certainly I I always enjoyed working with people who worked that style, you know, that's why I enjoyed working all the time with Dean and uh, Eddie Jericho, Benoit, you know, those guys, Vampiro, uh, or Chavo Guerrero and Billy Kidman, that's all, it was just a little bit hard for me because I was much, much taller than all the other guys, so, well, but I enjoyed it, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had so many great matches with basically all those guys and, you know, a lot of classics, and a lot of great ones, but something that was a little bit different and, you know, wasn't necessarily, you know, classic matches that you're having with, you know, those guys you named, but it was almost, uh, you know, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek, a little bit of a, of a you know, some, I wouldn't say a joke, but obviously more jokey, and that was when you were teaming with the Disco Inferno, you guys were doing like the Dancing Fools thing, and then eventually you guys would become the Boogie Knights. Do you enjoy working with the Disco and doing kind of a, you know, a little bit of a more joking around kind of game.
4: Well, of course, I um, like the serious serious matches more, you know. But hey, I'm, I'm a professional, and if the company says, listen, we want to put you more in the entertaining thing, then um, that's fine with me. I, I mean, I, I traveled many times with Disco. We had a lot of fun on the road. He's a very nice guy, very funny guy, and a very good worker. So I uh, enjoyed the time with him in, in 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 the tag. Of course, like I said before, if if they would have pushed us more in a serious way, I think we could have been more successful also. But um, hey, you know that that's the way. I'm a professional. They they tell me, and I'm I do it.
0: Now speaking of uh, being more of a serious gimmick and more serious character, obviously Russo takes over the book and um, I believe Bichel's gone by then, and you become Berlin. Almost, I don't even know how to describe it, it's almost, um, you know, like a, I wouldn't even say techno kind of character, but, you know, it's very, um, almost military techno, kind of a, a mix between the both, but what did you think of the Berlin character? Did you like, that, you know, that gimmick?
4: Oh, I really definitely liked it. I mean, um, I think it had a, ro- a lot of potential, you know, um i mean the crowd reaction was just unbelievable when i had my debut and it was a good debut and uh the bad thing was just it, it got um yeah it got lost in all the backstage politics you know that that was a bad thing i mean the the gimmick was a kind of new age uh vampire style you know uh, um uh just like you said uh, a gothic style and and um military a little bit So I liked changing my look from that pretty boy image to this kind of image because it was totally different, you know, and I wanted to do a cut from all the other stuff. So, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed doing that. But, you know, like you said, Vince Russo came in and Russo didn't want to take any ideas from Eric Bischoff and so they they just killed it off, you know which I think was a very bad idea because uh, it was a very, very good gimmick which had a lot of potential.
0: I really enjoyed the gimmick. I thought that the wall was great with you as kind of like your bodyguard. But is it true that uh, Buff Bagwell was an issue backstage and even uh, Hexo Jim Duggan was a bit of an issue as far as, you know, helping to build that character?
4: Yeah, there were some issues, but um, I, I don't think that the issues were... Actually, just with me, you know or with the gimmick the 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 whole situation backstage in w c w was really bad. you know the morale was bad, nobody knew how how w c w will continue if they still have their job next month, and so everybody try to look and make sure that their their status and their character was was good, so they have the chance to go to different companies or whatever. So it wasn't just in, in, in that storyline. I mean, you, you, there was a lot of uh, issues backstage with all, all that kind of stuff between guys because it was just a really bad, bad time, you know, for WCW and everybody was worried about your job and, you know, coming in a new, new guy, Vince Russo, and he had totally different ideas how to run a show. I mean, there was things- you know I mean a lot of guys were pissed at him, and so I think it took everything you know got together and um yeah, I mean, it was just the time you know I mean I'm still friends with buff, and i i I respect um uh Hawksaw, you know, so there's no problems with them,
0: now obviously, you know the end of w c w is uh, you know is definitely coming but before the end. They give you the tag team title, and I believe it was on a, a was I it was a European tour. Where you and General Erection actually subbing in for a Disco. You win the uh, tag team titles. Did you feel uh, any impact with the tag team title win, or you just felt like maybe you know because of the tour and where it was that you know they were kind of giving you the, the big the big um, yeah. you know the big uh, pump up, if you will.
4: Poo, that, that's hard. I mean, of course, uh, it's smart to give the German guy a title when he's in Germany, right? <laughs> you know, exactly. But yeah. <laughs> um but uh you know like I said before it, it really didn't matter to me if it if I have a title or not. I, I just you know want to have good matches and get along with all the guys and uh, uh doing my job. That's it, you know. I mean that that's really because you know I I got raised with the business and I am it's not like that I'm wow I'm I'm a big superstar now. I'm the champion or whatever. No, that's you know it's not important for me if I'm a champion or not. You know, I just, I want that people think that I, I, I'm i a good worker, a good wrestler, you know, I'm, I'm performing good, I'm entertaining, you know. And I still have a lot, a lot of fans over uh, in, in the U.S. and uh, here in Europe after being off TV for so, so many years. I mean, even when I uh, went uh, and did a visit at the at WWE shows, you know, all the guys did in a battle royal. My dance, you know, and you know a lot of people remember me, so I'm I'm very happy about that.
0: Now, obviously, the end of WCW is you know going to happen. Were you shocked when it actually did happen and they end up selling to WWF?
4: No, no, I wasn't shocked because I mean, the t- as soon as Vince Russo came in, um, it all went down the drain, really. I mean, it was just, he had, he, he booked the, the uh, the shows, like for a WWE audience, but we were a WCW audience, you know, and they didn't like that kind of style, trash wrestling stuff, and too much entertainment, and too many interview segments from 20 minutes, and stuff like that, you know, that's, that wasn't our audience, and you could see it in, in the house shows that it was a lot of empty seats and stuff like that, and in the ratings. And it was just, a, you know, a question of time till WCW will uh, close down. You know, of course, I was shocked, then because when when it actually did, um, nobody ever called me or anything. I never received an email or a letter. I I heard it on TV when I was watching the last Nitro. <laughs> that WCW is done. You know. Wow. Yeah, it's sad because it was a very good company, you know. I mean I had a very good time and it had a lot of potential, you know. I mean it was very, very good.
2: Did you ever see any kind of interest from WWE after your Turner contract had expired? Because that was a lot of the things with guys that had those long term Turner contracts is that if they weren't, you know, just Immediately purchased by Vince and uh, the WWE management, then they just had to sit out their right. duration. Was there any interest at all uh, on their end?
4: Well, the the thing is, um, they couldn't buy my contract because I won, was one of the few guys who was directly under contract with Time Warner, so they couldn't buy my contract. And uh, I always wanted to go during my time in WCW. I always wanted to actually go to WWE, but since somehow I was, you know, I felt like I have to be loyal. You know, loyalty is very, very uh, strong, implemented in my my family and respect for the business and stuff like that. And I was very thankful for all the chances I received from WCW. That was the reason why I never went to WWE. And, um, yeah, after after I, uh, after WCW was bought by WWE, uh, there were talks twice with WWE. You know, they showed interest. But that was the time, like I said before, at the, at the beginning of the interview, when I felt really burned out, you know, mentally and physical, and uh, I I can't go in the ring if I can't give a thousand percent. So if I can't give a thousand percent for the promoter, WWE, and can't give a thousand percent for myself and for the fans, then I said, no, thank you very much, I'm very honored, but, um, you know, I, I can't do it right now. I need time off. And, you know life develops in a lot of different ways and um then my school came and it grew and grew and grew and i'm right now my school is booked out till two thousand and seventeen you know I have many many students i mean the students come from all over Europe to my place uh I got my own promotion, which takes a lot of time you know i mean we have a lot of shows um I hopefully soon we're gonna be on t v and, um, well, I never had a chance to come back. But who knows? I'm, you know, I'm still young. I'm just 40. <laughs> Maybe a few more years. You definitely have a
0: few uh, matches left in you, and obviously the right stuff in Germany, the wrestling school. If you're in Germany or in Europe, and that is the right school to go to. But if I could uh, wind it down a little bit here and talk about, you know, have you had, um, I know you wrestled, ton of great guys i mean we talked about benoit and malenko and eddie and pillman uh drag, dragon uh, i think we forgot to mention uh, Kanamoto you wrestled in the, the cw i mean you had so many so many great wrestlers but can you narrow it down to maybe one or two have you had a favorite match or matches in your career
4: <laughs> that's really hard you know because like you just mentioned there's so many great guys you know um no, I, I couldn't do that. I really... I mean, all those guys uh, I, you mentioned it was very good. I mean... Nah. There's not really... I mean, I, I remember a match with Vampiro here in Hamburg, Germany. That was really, really... Uh, really, really stayed in my mind. But uh, there's so many other matches. I mean... No, I I couldn't do that. I mean... No... Uh, that, that that wouldn't be fair to any of them you know because i really first of all i respect them all they're all friends and um i am very thankful what i learned from all those guys so i couldn't do that now
2: now when you look back and you see what you've done in ring and now you're you're obviously training the future of uh you know your Euro- european wrestlers uh across your country and uh, really helping the next generation, What would you say your impact is on the business from what you've been able to accomplish?
4: Well, I think I put a very big point on on a good solid professional um how you say apprenticeship is it a true the right word like that they that there's a place where the new generation can can learn the sport and um, put in the sport in the right way. You know, there's there's a lot of different schools out there who just want to rip uh, off the the students and just take their money, or they want to you know break their will, or just beat them, and and or you know just don't show him all that stuff and I really try to um prepare my students for for uh uh the international market so they can establish themselves and they have all kind of uh know-how how the business works and respect the business and um yeah and nobody steps in the ring uh before I tell him he's ready you know I mean some Sometimes, I mean, it was uh, actually um, in Germany that somebody went in the ring after two weeks or three weeks and had a match but it was totally shitty because he had no wrestling gear, know professional wrestling gear he he went in the ring with sneakers you know he didn't know how the safety in the matches how how to protect your opponent and all kind of stuff or make uh, work with the crowd and stuff and uh, of course nowadays with all the social media it's very bad for our business or the small tv uh, stations who who um you know t- uh, shows bad Bad uh, matches, you know, it really hurts the business. So in my my school, they have to do a lot of lot of training, do a lot of uh, training matches. I mean, at least three hundred training matches, plus the the. Physical uh, thing is very important for me that they have endurance. You know, they're very conditioned. I mean, just a test to get into my company is: you have to do a thousand uh, squats, a thousand push-ups, and a thousand crunches in a certain time. And if you can't do it, you're not in. in you're not coming in my company. You know, from from my students. So I, am you know, it's tough. But then they know um, when they step in a ring somewhere in the world that they are going to be fit and they can have a chance, you know, to, to, uh, again, uh, you know, a chance to, um, make themselves a name, you know, that's very important.
2: Right. Yeah, if you're going to learn, you got to learn from uh, somebody who can actually teach you uh, what it is they really need to know to be a success. And that's obviously, just by what we've discussed, something that you know a lot about. And it's been a ton of fun to talk to you today. And like we said before the interview started, absolute magic of the world that we'll be able to reach out and touch in Germany. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. But please tell the fans and listeners of the Two Man Power Trip Wrestling just exactly where they can find Alex Wright.
4: Well, you can find me on uh, facebook.com slash or, of course, if you're interested in uh, learning wrestling, you can go to my website www.prowrestlingschool.de and I want to make a point and want to say thank you very much to all my fans in the USA that you're so loyal and I had the greatest time of my life living in the USA. Maybe i come back.
2: Yes, there you go. That's the uh that's the stamp right there. Let's get Alex right back in the United States and doing his dance and doing his thing for all the fans. So thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun and we really uh, appreciate the time today.